Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this Friday morning, soon to be afternoon, by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm I'm very, very good, and for the first time, we're not in some weird time warp. We are actually recording this when you just said. I know, but they won't believe us now. Well, of course they won't. That's why we do this stuff. It's so great. It's so great. But I I feel like... In harmony now. I feel like life is balanced and and good. That always throws me off. The whole harmonic convergence is off when we do that. It's yeah. like it's like being in Manila. Kind exactly. Of. It's like being UCLA in Manila watching game. a UCLA football game at say three thirty in the morning. Hey Dave, I got a question for you. Um when's the last time you changed a flat tire? Uh the last time I changed yeah. a flat tire myself? Yeah, yeah. Uh that yeah, would be you. never, Tracy. You've never changed one? No, no, no. Would you know how to change one? Does yes. Does generation know how? Okay. Yes. Um, I know how, but I feel like to make the good people at AAA feel valuable <laughs> and needed and essential, um, mm-hmm. that they need to be called in for that service. Okay. When's the last time you had a flat tire? Oh, gosh. We're talking Same years. Point. We're talking years. three, maybe four years. I probably haven't had a flat tire in, I'd say, 30 years. I, I don't remember it easily, I'd say, 30 years. I got two within two weeks. I, Do you, have I, you I, considered I, that somebody may have a problem with you? <laughs> it wasn't that my tires were slashed, Dave. That was, well, that was the one. That was that my next door neighbor's a USC fan. No. Um, I was driving in LA. There's there are a lot of potholes in LA, and you you know when you see the thing in the road and you've got that split second and you got to decide, crap, I need to go over a little to get it so it goes between the tires or something. I was about to do that, and I there were cars on both sides of me, and I just literally couldn't do it. I would it, so I hit that sucker straight on. I knew for about the next minute, I'm gonna get a flat tire. I, I was just too hard. Tire goes flat. I, so, you know, my generation, you've seen the movie Christmas Story, right? Mm-hmm. When the old when the father pops out and he goes, time me, right? I mean, that's kind of my generation too. We want to see how fast we can, I'm out there, I'm, you know, it all comes back to you really fast. You start doing it. I'm all the way through it and then I get to the final lug nut and the lug nut is weird. And I'm all, what the hell is this lug nut? It's so strange. It's strip what a... I had no idea that my car had a lug nut lock. Yeah, you got to have the key. I didn't have the key. It wasn't in my car. When I got the car, the person who sold it to me didn't tell me about this and didn't give me the key. So I was pissed. I had to tow the car all the way back to beautiful Westlake Village from Los Angeles. So that really pissed me off. And then the other day I'm driving, big old truck trying to get in the left-hand lane and basically doesn't see me in his blind spot uh, goes right in front of me i have to swerve left and again that split second oh i'm i'm just hitting the curb you know the middle divider perfectly boom i go i he's waving to me saying sorry i'm going yeah you're gonna pull over because i'm gonna have a flat tire in a minute which i did (sighs) that's a tough one two times in two weeks and not once in 30 years yeah the most spectacular one I ever had, well, I have had two spectacular ones. One was um, 
Christmas Eve 2013. So you're you are Darren McGavin in Christmas Story. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, 2013. Um, I'm driving over Sepulveda Pass down into the valley. Right. Oh, I'm on the downward slope. Not a good place. I blow out my back right tire going down the hill at like 70 miles an hour. Right. Oh man! Now you're in danger. Right. And there's cars that are breaking in front of me, so I have to do the very unfortunate thing you have to do when you um, have a flat tire, which is brake. Oh. Um, so I, I hit the brakes, and I do a 360 in the middle of the freeway. Full oh, my 360. Lord. And Wait, you were up, coming over on the freeway or on Sepulveda? On uh, 405. Oh, okay. On 70 on Sepulveda. Get out of here, man. Got it, got it. Um, and I turn all the way around, and, and I am facing the traffic coming down at me. It was really cool. Are you? This is just this is your ghost talking to it because you died. Yeah, no, I should have died. Yeah. I should have died. The car felt like it was so it was doing a three sixty spin. It felt like it was going to flip at any second during that spin because of all the torque on it. Yeah. Um, but you know that's a well made Ford Escort uh, ninety seven. <laughs> Shout out. Beautiful car. Hey, um, didn't you think, I mean, it was probably eight, maybe five to seven seconds you were spinning. Didn't that seem like it was about 15 minutes, like it was in slow motion? It was a little bit of both. A little bit of both felt really quick, but also felt like I was going to die. So I was really treasuring those final moments of sheer terror. And um, all you did was see my face. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I did I, I did cause at least two or three other fender benders. Oh, while did you I was really? Doing this. Yeah. Wow. Luckily, this was pre-people all being on their cell phones when they're driving. Um, otherwise, I more than likely would have died. Uh, well, uh, one more question. How did the insurance sort that out? You were not liable. Right? I was not liable for any of that. Okay. I didn't make contact with any other vehicles. I was remarkably safe. I had, uh, if we're talking about those moments, I had one time, it was like one o'clock in the morning, I was driving on, uh, it was the 10 going towards Santa Monica. I was in the fast lane. Car just, uh, you know, he just swerved out, hit the front right of my car, which caused, you know, when you're going like 70 and you get hit like that, the car kind of can can kind of tip. It's still going, but it's kind of just moving left, kind of. And my tires hadn't hit yet. And there's that like a middle divider on the 10. And I just sat there and going, oh, you know, as soon as these tires like really get a grip, I'm going head first into that middle divider and I'm probably going to die. I mean, I had that long to think about. Yeah. And the car miraculously... I attribute it to, it was a convertible. So, you know, convertibles, they have to uh, make the whole passenger box uh, more built up. So I think that's, I attribute it that I lived is because I was driving a convertible. Right. Well, anyway. so UCLA's uh, heading into a head-on collision this weekend. You like that? Was that good? No? <laughs> you didn't like it? Yeah. Dave, that... This that's top five of your segues. Okay, seriously, yeah, yeah. Everyone, Head-on collision this weekend with Oregon. Everyone who res listens to this in on the forum, I want you to rate that <laughs> that transition, Dave's <laughs> transition. Okay, ten being best, one being worst. Just put up a number. That's all you got to do. All we need is a number. Don't even no context, just a number. Yeah. Um. 
UCLA. That's what we do. That's what we talk about here. I know. Uh, so they're fun talking about near death experiences. Yeah, as long as we're talking about near death experiences, oh, being a no. UCLA fan, number two. <laughs> um, so uh, UCLA is fresh off um, what I would describe as victories, um, uh-huh. but extremely um, the the word unwatchable gets thrown around a lot, you know. And I think that's a that's a it's a negative word. Huh? I don't think. See, I, I just I don't think they were completely unwatchable. I mean, the, uh, unwatchable. Clearly, clearly, someone has excised the memory of the Arizona football game from his memory. Oh, you know what though? No, what the memory of real unwatchable games from years past, where both the offense and the defense are putrid, and there's a lot of turnovers and mistakes. Those were unwatchable games where you silly couldn't even run for four yards. Uh, well, no, so, so so I'm not necessarily talking about UCLA's performance in a vacuum. I thought UCLA, you know, offensively played pretty well in the Washington game. That's what why I, I can more watch. mean is that the opponent is – they need to be a contributor to the entertainment factor, and neither Arizona nor Washington is at all entertaining. Arizona, because getting back to the theme of car wrecks, is a car wreck. <laughs> Um, Washington, because uh, Jimmy Lake should be fired along with his offensive coordinator. Um, but they're terrible to watch, those two teams. And UCLA, in both games, kind of played, you know, uh, ball control, we'll call it. So so you're, you're rather... I'm an esteem. You're rather egalitarian about uh, it's not just a UCLA. Th- I mean, when they beat Texas 66-3, you didn't thoroughly enjoy that? No, I would, but that's but that's explosive. That's amazing. UCLA scored twenty four points against Washington. They scored what did they score? Thirty four against Arizona. If you're going to have the other team playing that badly, could you just like score touchdowns literally every time you have the ball? That's the way to keep it entertaining. If you don't okay. do that, if it's all just like running the ball and getting like six yards a pop, I don't know. It's like it's like appreciating what Stanford was doing in two thousand eleven, but also being like, I don't really want to watch that. Okay. Okay. I, I'm. I'm with you. I. I. You know. I, I. I get it now. So you made it even worse for me. But I wasn't feeling that those were unwatchable when I was watching them. Yeah. Just yeah. because I thought the offense was, and I. I like watching Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet run. So they're fun to watch. They're that's, fun to watch. Uh, yeah. So unwatchable means there's nothing watchable happening on that field. And you. Well, would, come on. Let, let's 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 just let's not take hyperbole to its exact logical meaning. Come on, yeah, unwatchable. It's oh, you know there have been games boring. in the past where I mean your eyes are bleeding. You, sure, you there's, there's the entire the, the entire 2016 football season. We yeah. can remember that all together right now. Let's take a second. Let's all remember Kennedy Palomalu's offense. So bad, God. Yeah, you just beautiful. you dreaded when you say I got the ball. You dreaded it. Hey, let's remember everything from 2008 after the Tennessee game. We all took a second and remembered that, right? Well, Those no. are truly unwatchable. This, in the context of the season, Arizona and Washington, kind of boring football games. My point is, Tracy, this coming weekend won't be a boring football game. You're going to have two good offenses going yeah. against each other and two, yeah. uh, let's, let's call them defenses that might allow some stuff. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be back and forth, and I think it's going to be a ton of fun. You're going to have actual, like, good ESPN cameras. It's not going to be, like, those standard definition things that they were using a couple weeks ago for UCLA. It's going to be great. You're going to have Kirk Herbstreet on the call. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Here's here's the thing uh, in the context of Washington and Arizona. 
two not very good teams. You know, UCLA, UCLA beat them. <laughs> um, what there were some things UCLA did well in those games. They they it was they were pretty uneven, but there was some. Uh, let's just take running the ball. They ran pretty well against those two teams. Uh, is are you know I wrote that whole story about uh, are there things to be optimistic about? And we've been down this road. We've been on the verge before, where you start to feel a little good about things, and then things come back to earth. And so often it is about just based purely on the opponent. Um, you get a little, you know, excited after they've played a couple of bad opponents, and then it all comes crashing back down to earth when you play a decent opponent. Is that going to be the case here, Dave, do you think? I mean, is UCLA going to come out on that field and be really disappointing again in a big game? Well, see, that's the part where I just don't know um, because there are some similarities between Oregon on offense and ASU. Um, and ASU's offense is what uh, probably the, the team that made us think, holy crap, this UCLA defense is not just average. It's maybe bad. Yeah. Um, and Oregon has some of those same qualities. I don't think Anthony Brown is as good as Jaden Daniels. Um, but they run the ball really well. Um, they've got a really good offensive line, and that combo did some real damage uh, to UCLA when it was ASU. Um, and that would be my concern, is that um, UCLA's defense still hasn't quite figured it out, and that Anthony Brown is maybe able to have a little bit more of an accurate day than he's had in the past um, because the offensive line is able to protect him. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting, that side of it, because I think UCLA's offense... Um, in the same way it was against ASU, it took a while, but they were finally able to kind of get it moving. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against Oregon. Oregon's defense is not as good as ASU's. Um, the question is whether which which offense blinks first, um, which offense um, you know goes three and out twice in a row or whatever it is, um, and that might really be it. Um, now, I don't think it's going to be like a, I don't know, like 52-49, but I do think these offenses are going to be pretty efficient. Um, I don't think that they might not hit the big explosive plays that often, but they're both going to be able to efficiently drive. Um, and it's going to be, you know, who comes up empty on two straight possessions, I think is going to be pretty decisive. I, I completely, uh, completely agree, really. Um, a, a few little things, though, a little specifics um while asu's offense and oregon's offense are similar Jaden daniels is considerably considerably better than anthony brown um in just being able to execute consistently anthony brown's kind of strange though it, he'll he'll throw like two or three bad passes then he'll make an nfl throw that you go whoa and then he goes right back to like missing a guy by four feet. So he's he's kind of strange. But here's the thing: this is when, like you said, between Fresno State, where we started to get a clue: hey, this defense can't get home. This whole theory about just pressuring all the time might not <laughs> might not be the way to go with you know, every team when all the opponents start to just scout it out. And then it really came home to roost when against ASU. Um, has the UCLA defensive brain trust 
gotten a little bit, have they self-scouted themselves now? Do they know that they can't do it that way, that other, that offenses are easily picking up the pressure? And on top, and, and we saw a little bit more, we saw more zone last couple of weeks. And remember, Quinton Lake has been out. And there's a significant difference in UCLA secondary when he's healthy and when he is not either not playing or not healthy. Um, are those two things... Uh, this game can hinge on so little because I think they're two pretty evenly matched teams. Is just like that enough to tip it over to where UCLA could actually get a couple of stops? I think the best um, answer is I don't know. However, Arizona and Washington's offenses are terrible. Um, so it's hard to take too much from what um, UCLA did both schematically and in terms of like their actual effectiveness against those two teams. Um, you know, UCLA against Oregon, I, I think the recipe is trying to get that offense off schedule. Um, and I think that's maybe not going to be rushing the passer so much, but it is going to be stacking the box and throwing some run blitzes out there on first and second down to force them into passing situations on passing downs. Um, so it's going to be... I'm interested to see what they approach this game with um, because I think it does call for a little bit of aggression um, because I think that's the uh, the way you beat an efficiency offense um, is by trying to knock them off their efficiency. And I think Oregon, uh, more or less, is trying to be a very, very efficient offense. They're trying to get their five yards um, on the ground on first down and then get you know, four on second down, then maybe try a shot and then go for it on fourth down. Mario Cristobal is an offensive line guy. He doesn't, it's not, you know, Chip Kelly's Oregon where they want to hit home runs every time. It's, you know, they want to grind it uh, five, six yards a pop. So the, the way you throw that off, I think, is by creating negative plays, creating tackles for loss, the occasional sack, that whole thing. Um, and I think, like, Oregon, I think, is more than happy to play a bend but don't break offense you know by basically doing the march down the field thing uh because they're pretty confident in their running game um so i don't know i honestly don't know what they're going to approach this with i thought against washington ucla showed a little bit more of their um blitz stuff than they did against arizona arizona felt like it was pure just we're going to keep everything in front of us and just you know do pure bend but don't break washington felt like they incorporated a little bit more I don't think they're probably very confident in their ability to be a pure um, coverage defense. Um, I, that's not the way they've been designed in any way. Um, so I think they're probably going to return to the aggression, at least to some significant extent against Oregon. Because that's, I mean, frankly, it's what they've designed to do the last year and a half. I don't see them just kind of going away from it um, entirely at this point. And I think against Oregon, it maybe makes sense. Here's the other thing, too. Between the four units, UCLA's offense is the clearly elite unit. Uh, I mean, it's if you look at uh, Alex Smockover's you know, advanced stats, it, it clearly is the one that has a little bit of an edge, too. Um, UCLA's offense against Oregon's 
I, you know, I didn't read this part of your preview, but UCLA's offense versus Oregon's defense, I think there's more of an UCLA has more of an edge there than Oregon's offense has against UCLA's defense. But it's so close. Um, it literally, I mean, Oregon has made a ton of myth. If we're talking about self-inflicted wounds, I mean, Oregon makes, uh, you know, uh, UCLA look like woundless pretty much. So it could come down to also as, you know, this is just brilliant, right? Um, you know, who commits the less, the least amount of turnovers. It's going to come. I, I can't see either team stomping the other one. They just, neither team has a defense to be able to do that, I think. So I think it will be an entertaining game. Um, I read I, or heard somewhere where uh, some national pundits were saying I ex they expect a low-scoring game. And I, I, there is not, I mean, maybe, but there isn't one indication that that's, that, that, that could happen. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about game day uh, being on UCLA's campus. Um, really fun. First time it's ever been on campus. UCLA hosted it one time when it was in Pasadena. Uh, that was, now that I think about it, that was, um, the Cade McNown throwing up game. Do you remember? That was 1998. How old were you? I was 13. Oh, little. Did you have a beard then? No, no, that uh, didn't come in. Well, I mean, next it, was, 14, it, was, it was on 15. its way, but okay. no, 14, 15 was more yeah. of my, my beard days. Yeah. Um, do you remember watching Kid McNown throw? You know, he, come, he, he comes to the line of scrimmage and then he just turns out and just throws up on the Rose Bowl field and then starts to try and then he does it. I, I think he did it three or four times. I mean, yeah, it was it was fun. Do you remember that at all? No, I didn't watch that game. Oh. But I remember seeing clips of it. Yeah. Were you an active fan when you were 13 years old? Your family no, was... No, God, no. Oh, I thought... Really? You didn't watch sports? Uh, no, I watched... Uh, I was an insane, a truly insane uh, Angels fan. Um, Why? So at that you time... You grew up in El Segundo. My dad. My dad was an oh, Angels fan. Oh, your um, dad. What a great my, guy. So the... Uh, the Angels, at that time, I think they televised like 140 of the games. It wasn't even the full slate. I think I watched... 98% of the games. Wow. Yeah. Little Dave with your growing beard and your little yeah, dude, glove. I, so I was a, I was a complete complete nutcase. I would watch the games so like I would just be watching them all the time that I could then predict the pitches. Like I watched these starters so much that I could predict their pitches to certain batters. Like well, I you, knew what was coming. You were like a pitching savant at 13. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um Goes to show you, uh, give like give like a thirteen year old boy just like any like it, it, just like find out what the interest is, they will become obsessed with it. It'll be incredible. Really interesting too that you latched on to baseball and angel baseball among everything. Well, wasn't oh, yeah. your wasn't your family still UCLA related fans before like your brothers went there or something? Yeah, no? my brother was a big. Uh, my brother was in school until ninety seven, so he was. Going to all the UCLA games. I went to an occasional game, but I wasn't right. watching them at home. Okay. <clears throat> but anyway. Did uh, you go to games at Anaheim Stadium? Yeah, all the time. Okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm just visualizing. I just want to Yeah, no, no, take it all in. Yeah. 
I'm picturing like you know fever fever pitch when you know his uncle takes him to the game. I just that's how I'm picturing little Davy Woods. Yeah, basically it went Angels fan until you know like I don't know. I, I then started watching a lot of Lakers in like '99, 2000. Okay. And then UCLA, like I really started to watch it a bunch, 2001, 2002. Okay, like, so you weren't a fan during the late 90s at all when they were actually really good. No, God no. No, no. Okay. I'm I'm actually the cause of everything that's gone wrong. I think so. I mean, in my life, you are. Yeah, no. Like like in a very literal sense for you, but I mean for, you know, in a metaphorical sense for UCLA. I this is how bad of a parent I am. Um I was talking with my son and I said, "Yeah, no, that's the big Cade McNown game." And he actually said, who's coming down? I Holy said, crap. are you kidding me? He said, no. I, go, I take this. I mean, it's my it's my fault. I mean, he vaguely knew because we've had some friends whose sons are named Cade. And he put that together. Like, you know, Brandon Huffman's son is named Cade. Does everyone know that? Ooh, I should just a that. coincidence. Brandon's not a fan. He's a pure objective journalist. I know. God, I just, I just exposed him. Just a I? coincidence. Brandon is a pure objective journalist. He just likes the name. It shows how much he likes the name because he was not a UCLA fan at all, and still liked the name. Like he wasn't biased. He, he in fact UCLA. never operated under the screen name Sons of Westwood. That was not him. Um, and frankly, he finds uh, any allegations as such um, uh, uh, libelous. Hey, so yeah, um, very fun since we're talking about Brandon. Very fun last week, last Friday up there in Seattle at Optimism Brewery, meeting all the bros. Really, really fun. I think we probably had about 30, maybe. Um, we've got to get back to doing that, Dave. Remember, that was pre-COVID when we actually used to do those things. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we do have to probably do it. Maybe we should do it before the USC game in town at some outdoor bar. That Think about lovely. that. Think about that, people, where you'd want to have that do that. Think maybe about we'll, it, people. Maybe we'll do it at the Broxton. They got that little outdoor area. We could take that over. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. Um, game day. Uh you know, you would think, obviously, UCLA isn't going to have as many people at game day as, say, Auburn or Georgia. But then it's at a considerable deficit that it starts at 6 a.m. <laughs> in Los Angeles. So uh, did you see they're opening? They're allowing people there at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Do we think there's going to be a decent crowd? Because it would be a little embarrassing if there weren't. I think there is. I think people are talking a bunch of crap. Um, I think, look, I'm going back to my uh, days in the studentry, in the uh, in the student base. Um, okay. okay, so Friday night. Here's what I think will happen. Okay. Okay. Is you probably got some frats, right, who are tonight going to gear up to, like, okay, everyone, let's nap from, like, 7 to 10, and then we're going to begin partying at midnight. And then we're going to drink until 4.30. Like, that's the, the number of students who are doing that tonight is non-zero, okay? Like, I think people need to, like, everyone's got this weird little idea that everyone at UCLA is just hanging out in a library all day, and it's not like that. Yes, there's some who do, but there's also some who are there to develop some significant alcoholism. Those are the ones we're looking for. On they, those are your people. 
Those are my people. They are, you know, like they are, um, what's a good abbreviation? Like alcoholics until graduation, right? You know, they're in it for the fun fun times. Party you, times. Got, you got A's in that class. I, I was I there. I watched. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be that cohort. There's going to be the um, the den people who are, you know, probably going to like whip each other with batons to make sure they stay awake for that, you know, session. Or Wait, wait. Up. There are, there are uh, college age people, little intoxicated, whipping each other with batons. No, no. At so four I think in the, the den people, they're just going to be obsessed with doing this. You know, they're like the. Uh, and I say this with love and care, the nerd fans, right? Okay. The ones who are like just really into it, you know, kind of the way, you know, to an extent I was. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you just came from talking about yourself. Well, I was, uh, yeah. I, you know, I straddled the line. Okay. Um, so they're just going to be into it and they're going to be there. That's probably like a good, I don't know, like the hardcore ones will be there at 430 is like probably 40. And then the ones who are going to be there by like the actual start of the show, probably in the 100 range. Then you've got the drunk frat people who will probably be in the, like, I don't know, 100 to 200 range. And then you've just got the assorted students and crap who will want to come by and see it who might decide to get up, you know, an hour earlier than they usually do. Now, is it going to be thousands of people at 4.30 in the morning? No. But I think you're talking like a good, like, 500 to 1,000 by the time, you know, the thing actually kicks off at 6. And that'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they're having the buses go directly from there to the game, which is a really smart idea. Um, I, yeah, I think it will probably be, I think it's going to be well represented since it's something that's, uh, I think the UCLA community has been looking forward to for so long. Uh, I think it will look good and it's going to, it's going to have a dramatic backdrop at Wilson Plaza right at the, you know, right in that plaza that's kind of at the base of Jan step so that it will look good also. So yeah, That'll be that'll be fun. Um, we just dropped a little bit of a surprise here that uh, UCLA is getting an official visit from Kamari Ramsey. Uh, I think he's the number nine safety in the country prospect who is verbally committed to Stanford. Um, that's kind of that's kind of a big thing. I mean, I'm I don't I don't have insight into his. Uh, recruitment, but from what I've heard is that he is legitimately interested in UCLA when he wouldn't be taking an official visit and he wouldn't be putting his relationship with Stanford in jeopardy, which it, 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 if when you do this, you very much are doing, are, are putting your relationship in jeopardy. So that's kind of a good thing because UCLA could use some safeties, I'd say. Um, uh, what else? Oh, uh, if we're talking recruiting, uh, so Dave, can we do this little next few minutes without one immature sexual innuendo? Can we possibly do that? Can we try? I am ready. I am pumped. I am, um, flush with anticipation. Oh my God. You lasted four seconds. Four. I don't know what you're talking about. Adam Bona, the five-star, that just made you chuckle right there when I said Adam Bona, didn't it? No, it made me chuckle when you said you lasted four seconds. That's why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are more subtle than yours. Yours are just, you know, just straight ahead, right in your face, yep. you know, yep. hard to ignore. They, they slap you right in the face. <laughs> 
Adam Bona, the five-star post player who plays at Napa Prolific Prep, is coming in for an official visit. It's a particularly big visit. <laughs> is UCLA going to get a Bona? <laughs> we can't. I, I, uh, okay. I, I believe that they are getting a Bona. <laughs> Now I'm feeling like I'm Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live, and I'm <laughs> I'm breaking up, and I can't. I'm gonna laugh at everything we say. Yep. Um. Uh. I I think they're everything I'm saying now is is now a double entendre, and I it's don't very hard. mean to. It's I'm, very difficult. I'm, I'm walking yeah. through like a field of landmines right now. Um, <laughs> a field of something. <laughs> My <laughs> God, my mind. I, I I have to turn this off. I have to be in a mature adult. Uh, Kentucky was leading for him for a while, it seemed like. Then UCLA kind of uh, really surged back. <laughs> <laughs> Seize, seized control. Uh, <laughs> I'm just about to surge ahead. <laughs> Oh my God, we're we're so horrible. Um, and I uh, took his visit to Kentucky. He did uh, everything coming out of that uh, visit was uh, that UCLA is probably still leading for him. So that's all very very promising. Uh, we'll see if on his official visit they can get him up to. I mean, I think it'd be a good thing to get him there for game day. I mean, yeah. would you get an official visitor? Could you get him up? You know, could you get him up? <laughs> I think you can get him up. I think. God. Uh, I think it's a, you know what this. He, you might, know what be, this proves? he might be. Hey, Tracy. He might be kind of a morning person. You know what this kind of proves is there is so much sexual subtext in everything we say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's kind of a. I mean, think about it. Think about like what we do. Um, we describe like um, like the bodies of uh, you know, like young dudes all the time. We That's talk about we, we talk about penetration. Yeah, <laughs> like sports. I mean, it's 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 rife with such language. Um, he's just making it a little bit uh, on the nose, so to speak. You don't notice it until. You're thinking about it, and uh, yeah, yeah, we talk, we talk in sexual subtext. Um, so the signing days, three signing period starts three weeks from now. Um, it would be a big addition because they already have commitments from a four-star point guard and Dylan Andrews, uh, and the five-star combo guard of Amari Bailey. They are still out there trying to bring in uh, Mark Mitchell, who it's between UCLA and Duke. Really interesting, too. Um, the The inside information has been locked down coming out of the Mitchell camp since the Duke official visit last weekend. Last weekend? Yeah. Uh, well, last week, let's say. Um. That's very interesting. I, I know there was a big pull for him to UCLA because his, his brother lives in Los Angeles. 
I, I think UCLA really has a chance to pull that out. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> that would be a great recruiting class of those four. Um, you can always pick up, you know, wings are a dime a dozen, man. You can always pick them up. You can always get them in the transfer portal. So that would be a great recruiting class. If, if they did that, they'd probably have the number two recruiting class in the country. So all's good over there in the basketball side of, uh, you know, UCLA. Are you, exci- are you excited about basketball season? I'm so pumped. Most anticipated season, you could say. Oh, don't get say, into that. I don't like hearing most anticipated season because um, when has like a really, truly anticipated season worked out really well? Yeah. It's a mildly almost, anticipated season. I think for going in with no expectations. any fan, it almost, when you're anticipating a big season, it never works out. Very, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was anticipating a big season last year, and I guess it provided in the end, but uh, certainly wasn't the regular season I was expecting. Um, so no, I'm going to go in with no expectations. Okay. I'm excited to watch uh, to watch a McCron coach basketball team. I think it'll be fun. Yes, that's a that's a good way that's a good way of putting it. You know, um, it's never too early either. I mean, uh, to think about next year. Two, I, I would, because everyone loves doing this, thinking about personnel for the basketball team for next year. I, I would think, let's say, let's just fantasize. Are you talking they, about a season from now beyond the season that yeah, we're not let, anticipating Let's just this say one? they do get Adam Bona, because that's the discussion, is how do, where does he play? He plays. He's that good. You would play him alongside Miles Johnson. That's uh, a lot of length. That's a lot of length, and that's some... Uh, for. He has a decent looking outside shot. He puts the ball. I mean, he's really raw offensively, but you just to have those two guys on the court at the same time would be devastating. And then what if Peyton Watson comes back? And then you got Amari Bailey. And I'm telling you, I'm hearing there is no certainty that Tiger Campbell's leaving. There's just as much a chance that he returns. So could could be fun. Could have a very good year watching this basketball team this year. And then we could have a very good time watching the basketball team next year also. Well, you know what? I'm going to say it definitively. Uh, oh. You're probably going to have a pretty good time watching uh, basketball for the foreseeable future uh, yes. with UCLA. Because uh, Tracy likes getting into the names. And, you know, that's part of the whole, like, quote-unquote business model here. Uh, but let me tell you. UCLA fans, the names don't really matter. UCLA is going to recruit well under McCronin, well enough, and uh, and uh, the program's going to develop players pretty well, and you're going to end up with a good team most years. It's going to be fun. Enjoy it. So it's like, let's say you're like a car salesman, and some people come onto the lot, and what you just did is, you know what? Doesn't really matter. What car are you going to, you, you buy a car from me, you buy a car from someone else. It doesn't really matter. You're just going to enjoy driving a car. Down, you know, don't no, no, even. No, 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 Buying yeah. a car from another person is like watching Cal. Okay. You just go, buy one of these cars. One of these cars is going to be fine for you because we do all of the nice little upkeep for you. You know, we make sure it runs properly. We give you the like, whatever, the, uh, the true coat that they're trying to sell you in Fargo. Like we do it all, but you got to buy one of our cars. Okay. I'll go with that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, so that is something that UCLA fans 
I think Dave's right. I think we can rely on that for the next. Uh, a theme here on Bruin Report Online is uh, we're basically Charlie Brown and we're a pro, you know, we've been convinced to, you know, hold the ball. So Lucy's going to kick it. No, the other way around. Sorry. Lucy's holding the ball. Come on, Charlie Brown. Come and kick. And Lucy pulls it out. God, Lucy. Lucy's a bitch, man. Didn't she always think she was a bitch? Um, she certainly wasn't kind. Yeah. Not a kind person. But I think she was also standing in as a metaphor for life. Huh. You know, it's a children's okay. show, but this is this is how things actually are. But this, uh, Charlie Brown is the UCLA collective fan group, at, uh, as most fans probably think that they, they are. But I think we might be able, while we can't rely on much, I think we might be able to rely that UCLA basketball is going to be good for the next few years. We have that in our lives. Feels pretty good, right? It does. It feels great. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, I would say cockeyed optimism is probably a little bit um, the, the 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 descriptor. Um, but yeah, saying cockeyed. Yeah, I mean, sure, but yeah. also I think that's uh, the fair enough descriptor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for for UCLA basketball, for once, it, it you know, it's sort of uh, the the proof's already there. Um, we just saw it. Uh, this past season, so it's, it doesn't require a huge leap of faith um, to think that it's going to continue um, at least at some level of quality. Does that mean they're going to go to a Final Four every year or this year? No, but will they be, you know, barring horrible things going wrong, a major contender in the conference and, you know, a, have a really good chance at a deep run in the tournament? Yeah, probably. I mean, things would have to go horribly wrong, like multiple injuries for that not to happen, or the chemistry goes completely haywire, and then you know, we'll have another conversation next offseason. But for now, yeah, things things shape up pretty well. And, and just to appreciate it, when's the last time going into any UCLA football or basketball season, uh, the biggest, the anticipation for the biggest non-conference game, UCLA is involved in it, right? I mean, UCLA versus Gonzaga. It's just, that's going to be, that's going to be so huge in all publicity and all of the hype leading up to it is going to be huge. So yeah. uh, that's just, that's just way too much fun. Yeah. It's going to be a barrel of laughs. So not, not even for the winning fans are in this for that, for, for that fun. Uh, that that's the part, a big part of sports that makes it fun. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time yeah. matchups, being involved, being in it. Um, because I'll like, you know, just bringing it back to football because that's just the kind of person I am. Um, a miserable th one. this season, it's not that I thought UCLA was going to go to the playoff, but when they truly did fall out of any sort of like, the thing is I want to like check the AP rankings or check the CFP rankings when they come out and at least think that, Oh, maybe UCLA will be in there somewhere. Um, it kind of takes a thing off the season when you're not even in that conversation. Yeah. Um, so UCLA decidedly in that conversation in basketball and probably will be all year. Um, so, you know, being part of those anticipated football games. I mean, that's why the LSU game, which LSU is turning out to be a worse team than Oregon, right? But the LSU game felt much bigger even than this game coming up on Saturday to me, um, which is 
odd um, because even like previewing the season, it looked like Oregon was going to be a better team. But LSU coming as it did at the beginning of the season with both teams, you know, projected, you know, UCLA off a big win off of, against Hawaii, LSU projected to be a top 25 team. That felt huge. Um, and, you know, UCLA will be getting that in basketball. Basically, I mean, the entire two first two months of the season is just full of these, you know, big games. Uh, it's a really great schedule, tons of fun to watch. And UCLA is going to be involved in a ton of them. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, college football, an element of college football that makes it very fun is its unpredictability. Uh any team really can almost beat anyone on any given Saturday, but it's getting more so now. Uh, this season, particularly, and I'd say even the last couple of seasons, but this season, damn, man. I mean, you never could really use that, uh, the transference kind of, you know, compare teams thing, but you can't. Fresno State beat UCLA that beat Hawaii, which beat Fresno State. I mean, how how does LSU beat Florida? <laughs> it doesn't. It just does not hold up anymore. Uh, any there are some teams that are just really coming out and playing horribly, and then and one week, and then good the next week. I mean. Speaking of which, how about Oregon? Is Oregon I mean beset with a lot of injuries, you have to concede that, but but still, I mean, they haven't lived up to their ranking or their hype. What is going on, in your opinion, Dave? Why is there you can't even call it parody. It's not parody. It's massive inconsistency on, on in college football. Why? Why is it happening? You tell me. I mean, I think it's I don't think it's been a multi-year thing. I think actually, um, uh, aside from the Pac-12, which is always zany and stupid, most previous years, very chalky. Um, this year, the why of it, I mean, it could be simple variance, maybe something to do with the COVID year, like not having, like I thought because all these teams were returning multi-year starters this year and so many 60 year seniors and everything there'd be more this would stability actually be a yeah. more well-played season yeah like it exactly. would be much um you know the the quality would show out a little bit more and if anything the picture has gotten more muddled and i wonder if it's because the the number of games was down last year um so yes they have more years but a lot of these guys have fewer game reps than they would have otherwise um because they didn't really play that much last season um, that could be playing a role there. It could also, you know, it could be both things going on at once. Some teams may have really taken advantage of the sixth year senior thing, you know, like ASU with their defensive secondary. Um, and they're benefiting from that while other teams maybe didn't get the reps they needed last year in games. And that's hurting them. The end result is I think, um, most of the things say this is the most topsy turvy year since 2007 in college football where just the number of ranked teams that are just going down week after week after week, which has made it a ton of fun. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm looking at the SP Plus right now. I think the three top teams, four of the top five are still, and even Clemson with two losses, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and then Florida, and then Clemson. Um, so, you know, it, it's still very much their world. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. I would say the Pac-12 
has been even more noticeably crazy than it has um, in recent past. I think that's a reflection of something that's been going on in the league for a while now, which is just really devastating parody because I don't... So the league is pretty bad this year for the first time. Um, they weren't this bad the last few years. It just kind of got masked by the parody. They're pretty bad this year. Um, ASU is the clear best team, um, and they're not that good. Um the league as a whole is is really down. I think a big part of it is that Oregon is very poorly coached. Um, I think Mario Cristobal's um, Jim Mora, basically, um, and he didn't hire as good coordinators as Jim Mora did when he first started at UCLA. Um, so I think that's a problem. Um, I think ASU has its own you know, crap going on. Utah, I think, maybe is figuring things out, but they started the year so slow that they're probably not going to finish um, very high in many analytic systems. But the league itself is just, you know, the best teams, the, the teams with the most talent have really bad coaching situations, both Oregon and USC. Um, and teams that are surging, like UCLA, have just tripped too many times. Um, you know, they've... they. They fell to Fresno State when Fresno State was playing really well. Um, they lost to ASU, and ASU is probably the best team in the league, uh, but they lost badly to ASU. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, confluence of factors, but I think just the league itself is is down because the top team, the teams with the most talent are not coached very well, and there's just been this movement towards parity for like six years now. Well, let's, let's end this on... I, I know everyone does not like us talking about it. They think we jinx it. But, I, you know, here's here's a newsflash. Whatever we say in this podcast does not affect the outcome of the game. So you guys just are going to have to get over that. Um, if UCLA beats Oregon mm-hmm. and it's 6-2, and two, then um, it goes to Utah. I mean, that game uh, will be obviously huge for the Pac-12 South because if UCLA gets past Utah, Utah has one loss. UCLA would still have, obviously, the one loss with ASU, but it would win in head-to-head. Colorado, Cal, and uh, the most... They would win head-to-head against ASU. ASU only has one loss. Right. That's what I mean. The most vulnerable USC team that we can probably remember going in to play them in the Coliseum. Still going to be a tough game. So pretty much if that scenario happens, ASU needs to lose again. Right. Um, they're, uh, you know, Washington State at home this week, that's got to be a, that's a win. Uh, SC at home, you know, they're going to be favored. At Washington and at Oregon State. I mean, there's a possibility here, and you never know what happens with ASU since they are under that NCAA investigation, if that could maybe, you know, create some kind of implosion from within and and keep them from, you know, really closing out strong. There's a possibility. There's still a legitimate possibility that UCLA wins the Pac-12 South if they get past Oregon. Yeah. ASU is going to take another loss. The thing is, UCLA needs to win out. Um, yeah. So uh, UCLA wins out, then they uh, more than likely, I would say, win the Pac-12 South. Because ASU, when you look at the aggregate, so they'll probably be favored by like, 
I don't know. Uh, Washington State's next week. They've got to buy this week. So Washington State, right. they'll probably be favored by mm, 10, 14, something like that. USC, it'll probably be like a touchdown. Washington on the road will probably be like mm, four. Four to seven, something yeah. like that. Oregon State on the road is probably going to be something in the seven range as well. But if you take that all in aggregate, um, there's a loss in there. You just don't know who. Um, and maybe two. So... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to take another loss. It's just with the tiebreak stuff, um, UCLA has to win out um, yeah. to make it work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if the, the thing is the next two weeks. Um, if UCLA can beat Oregon, um, that's the most talented team remaining on the schedule. And then it's Utah, which is probably the best team remaining on the schedule. Um, and then it's, you know, USC, which if UCLA is winning the next two, they have absolutely no excuse losing to USC. Um, USC is, um, in some ways, statistically a mirror image of UCLA, just um, in kind of a you know carnival house mirror. Um, it's all you know, they're all offense. They've got a really really poor defense, but it's it's bad defense in the way that should set up really nicely for UCLA's offense because they're super 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 soft up front. Uh, UCLA should just be able to run it down their throats all game and control the game. Um, and then Cal. I mean, come on. What's Cal going to do? Um, Did you and, watch the Cal? And, 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 and yeah. Colorado exists, and they're in the schedule as well. Yeah. Um, but if UCLA loses to Colorado, uh, I'll just say it. Uh, Chip Kelly should be fired that day. <laughs> oh, God. Imagine if they get past or, uh, you know, Oregon and Utah and... Was that color? Yeah, Colorado's there, <laughs> and they get to the USC game at the Coliseum, and yeah, that would have to be the biggest must-win, not only in Chip Kelly's tenure at UCLA, but of UCLA football in recent years. I can't, I can't, <coughs> I can't even remember a more must-win than that would be. Well, think about it. It would be a what would it be an eight and two UCLA at that point going against a three and four, four and four, uh, four and five, a five and five USC team. Right at the Coliseum, if there's something that might get that USC team up to play, it would be to ruin UCLA season. I would think. Yeah, but this should. I mean, this should be a. Like UCLA is a clearly better team um, and matches up really well to just kind of uh, grind on that defense. And I just, uh, again, if they lose that game, that's that's that that would be very bad, and that would obviously be devastating to any Pac-12 South chances if something in the next two weeks um, isn't already. So we'll see. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a the next two weeks are a real hinge point for um, the season. Um, if they beat Oregon and beat Utah, I think you can uh, more or less safely say the Pac-12 South is, is, you know, right there for the taking. Yeah. We had to end it on that. We had to give the people some hope. We have to give them hope. That's what we do, Dave. We are hope peddlers. <laughs> we are. We are the hope meisters. Yes. Hopium. Okay. That was fun. All right. You've got nothing else? No. Okay. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time.
Okay, guys, see you out there at game day. Everyone's showing up, right? Everyone's getting up early. Right. Right?